There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable MCP players to see if they could give something more to the community. The Christmas Present Initiative. Over the holidays, we'll be providing what we are calling the 18 Days of Christmas. We will bring on a different guest every single episode to talk about a different affiliation. And we're going to start off this one with Jacob interviewing Morgan on Brotherhood. Hello and welcome to another Christmas present initiative with Morgan Reed uh, talking about Brotherhood. Hey Morgan, how are you doing? Good Jacob, how are you? Yeah, very well. Uh, I guess I want to start my opening question to you is about the changes we've seen recently. How good is Magneto if you can't all you've got with him? Uh, that's a, a great question to open with Brotherhood because I found in the, the previous sort of version, all you've got was an essential part of the Brotherhood game plan. And I was mm-hmm. quite skeptical of all you've got being removed and the Magneto-led Brotherhood still being strong. So in preparation for this episode, I've been playing Brotherhood for the last couple of weeks just to get a, a feel for them in the new meta, I suppose, or the new game, mm-hmm. uh, the new rules, and minus all you've got. And it's actually not as bad as I thought, and I think um, a Brotherhood minus all you've got are completely okay. And I, I don't think it's a... It's not as bad as I thought, and I am not concerned for Magneto-led Brotherhood minus all you've got. Brilliant. Okay. Has it changed at all, you think, the balance of uh, of leaderships then? Because there was, um, I think a lot of people were playing very Magneto-heavy with occasional mystique sprinkled in on the occasional crisis. Do you think that it's shifted that dynamic a bit? Look, I, I don't think so. Um, I know there's been people who have had success with mystique and who enjoy mystique as a leader. I think she's a weak leader, and I think... We probably haven't seen a scenario. Well, I haven't. I shouldn't say we. I've not seen a really good scenario where I want to play her over Magneto's leadership. Um, I've found times I've played Mystique's leadership where she can be really strong um, in you know one round of the game, which might win you the game. But then you balance that against, I suppose, Magneto's power generation throughout. And I think on the on sort of net value, Magneto is just better. Um, you know, Magneto allows that attrition and control um, style, where I think Mystique's leadership is probably objective play through large numbers. And I think if you want to use large numbers, I think you go somewhere else because often, you know, her leadership is easy to negate. You can just sort of move up to a secure and it disappears. Um, and so then you go, well, what do I really use it for? Do I do I use it as a bit of an X-Men first class of a, a round one thing where I can interact, get a refund and do something else with the power? Or do I wait till round five or six when numbers are really low and I can I can put a token on a key secure and, and win a game? So having said all that, I still think Magneto's leadership is is the superior leadership. So that kind of frames the, the roster we're going to build. Do you, do you feel there's like a standard core that you run most games with Brotherhood then? I do, uh, but I think that core is going to change. So the reason <laughs> I say that, and I'll be curious to get your thoughts on this as well, Jacob, because you've you've run uh-huh. a lot of Brotherhood to good effect. Yeah. Um, a lot different how I've run them, but that's really good to sort of see how it, it both sort of meshes with what we're talking about. But my previous core of Brotherhood for, I think I played it season four and five um, mm-hmm. in, in the TTS League, it was basically Magneto, Mystique, Toad for an 11-point core. Uh, and then off that 11-point core, I, I just filled in to suit. And really, that was an attrition and control team where I used the support characters to leverage Magneto's leadership um, to generate you know, their superpowers or whatever I need to get them to do to, to enable a, a victory. But now, and we'll get to this probably later, but 
in fact, let's do it now. I think Juggernaut is the missing link for Brotherhood, and mm-hmm. I think he's an exceptional character, and I think he's potentially, um, you know, in, in contention for the best five that we have in the game now. And for me, he's the missing link for Brotherhood that enables uh, a more narrow attrition style, um, which I think they struggled with before, which might sound odd to some listeners. But um, that's my thoughts. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think Juggernaut is... I've played a few games with him now. I think he's bizarrely more of a finesse piece than you might think, simply because so often what he's doing is one move and one attack uh, and doing a bit of chip damage on the way and blowing up buildings and all that all that good stuff. But what you're getting out of him is one big attack often. And when you're in MCP, if you're only making one attack, there's a chance that attack can spike and there's a chance that attack can do nothing. So being able to make sure that attack goes where you need it to to best effect is actually quite a high skill bar. He's not a point-and-click character at all, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. The thing that I've particularly liked about him, and this might be just my play style or preference, is that I think Brotherhood were lacking an anchor, or I should say probably expand on what I I view as an anchor, Uh, a character in the game that you can reliably put on a point or somewhere on the map and you're, you're relatively comfortable that they're going to survive. Um, I used to use Kingpin a lot as an anchor in Brotherhood mm-hmm. squads where I could put him in the middle and say, hey, you might chip a couple of damage, but you're not going to daze him. So Juggernaut for me is a fantastic anchor, but he also has the wonderful synergy um, with the Magneto leadership train. So as I said, to, to my mind, he's the missing link, and I think he's really going to enable Brotherhood to shine moving forward. Yeah, okay. So you see a new core being Magneto, Juggernaut, and then who do you add then? Maybe Toad, simply for cheap and extract running? I think you scale um, your third character um, based on, well, A, your game plan. Do you want to go attrition? If you want to go narrow Mm -hmm. attrition, it might be Magneto, Juggernaut, and Scarlet Witch at 16+. plus. Um, That's a bit brave, but that's certainly workable because you've got that wonderful anchor in Juggernaut who can sit at the front and and take a hit while Witch blats away from the back and Magneto just does Magneto things where he wants. Or you might want to scale, as you said, Toad and go to a 13-point core and and sort of scale from there. So I think you've got options um, and players have options based on how they want to play, based on what they enjoy playing, and also based on the threat and and crisis that that faces you. Hmm. Uh, someone we haven't talked about, but who I like a lot uh, in basically wherever I play him is Quicksilver. Have you got any thoughts on Quicksilver? Look, absolutely. I've seen some of your commentary on Discord around uh, the more you play Quicksilver, the more you like him. Um, that is yeah. certainly the case for me as well. And in fact, in season five, I was at the point where I was seeking to drop Mystique in favour of Quicksilver, um, which really surprised me because when you look at him on paper, um, I don't think he's that impressive. Um, mm. He used to enable, um, with the old advanced R&D rules, some really nice, uh, I shouldn't say nice, some pretty horrible turn one extract plays. They're a bit gimmicky, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're effective sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think Quicksilver is a great character, um, and I think he shines in certain scenarios, and I would seek to play him over Mystique in certain combinations. And for my money, he is a lock in a Brotherhood roster. Mm. So, how many affiliated characters are we looking at then? Because we've we've said mentioned quite a number of them already, and there's a yeah. good list of good characters they've got to choose from. But where do you where do you draw the line? I draw the line, unfortunately, at Sabretooth, um, <laughs> and which is a shame because I love Sabretooth. I love the model. He's he's probably my favourite MCP model. I've got to say, and I love the character. I used to read some Wolverine comics as a kid, and Sabretooth was my favourite villain. So I was really excited to get him and, and play with him. But he's just I'm sorry to say he's a dud. 
Um, you can take him with exceptional healing and he's okay. Um, and you can take him and he can have a good dice game and he's amazing, but that doesn't happen often. So for mine, um, I'd be taking at the moment, so that I should frame it, the basis of this roster advice or this discussion on brotherhood is probably a more uh, a beginner or a new person into the affiliation approach, um, mm-hmm. not a sort of a competitively honed roster for, for, for winning TTS leagues or whatever else you want to do with it. So for that premise, I would recommend the six other brotherhood characters in Magneto, Juggernaut, Scarlet Witch, Mystique, Quicksilver and Toad. And unless you love love Sabretooth, I would leave him at home. Mm, okay, so we've got, what, six slots? Who are you then looking at out of affiliation to bring in? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one in Brotherhood. And I think, and I might be wrong here, but I think Brotherhood has more flexibility in their support characters than other affiliations because I think the Brotherhood game plan is quite flexible. So what I'm going to do is offer some generic advice on the threat level um, of the slots you want to take and then give some examples of what characters might fill those things and then listeners can probably, if you're new to the affiliation, take that advice on board and and, and consider it and then adjust it to your style. So noting we've gone through the six characters there and we've got four slots left, my recommendation would be in the seventh slot, put a four-cost character. Now, as I said before, if you love Sabretooth, he can go there. Um, he'll come with a card tax I would recommend in Exceptional Healing. Um, but if you don't love Sabretooth and, and want to be a bit more competitive, um, find the best four threat that you think that works for your game plan. And we can talk a bit more around the game plans after the characters, um, but just just think back to that seventh slot as a, as a four threat character to suit what you want to do. Now, the eighth and ninth slot, I would recommend two three threat characters. Uh, once again, tailor those characters to what your game plan wants to be and what your crisis selections are. And that leaves our 10th slot uh, and our final slot. And I would say this can be anything you like. So I'm not going to recommend a, a threat level here because this could be a two threat. Um, now, notably around a two threat, this will enable a five wide Magneto core at 16 threat. So if you want a Magneto core and you want to play five wide, you, you need to put a two threat in here. Um, if You might want to put in uh, Thanos at eight threat here. So you can scale it to however you like. Uh, and I don't think Brotherhood need a second two threat anymore in the new, new rules. So you scale it to what you want to have, put in the splash that you want or the character that you love or the, the counter meta pick that you think is going to work for you going forward. So I suppose I'll pause there and, and probably get your thoughts on on that scaling, Jacob, and, and anything before we move on to the, the character generic advice on who fills those roles. Sure. Just to understand the rationale there, what you're looking at is specific build totals. Is that right? And so is that why you like? Why do you need two threes, for example? Yeah, you're exactly right. So let's. So I'll give two examples on the the two three threats. So we've said this is primarily a Magneto roster because uh, mm-hmm. I think Magneto is the better leader. So if you add two three threats in there, you might want to play at seventeen. Magneto, Mystique, and Toad for a core of 11, and then put in two great three threats, and you've got a, an excellent five-wide team at 17 that can do control or attrition um, and offers you great flexibility. Um, it can also, for example, if you get stuck on, let's call it Sword at 14, you might pivot to Mystique's leadership and run Mystique, Quicksilver, and Toad for a core of eight, add two three-threat characters who are great, you've now got a five-wide 14 team um, and Mystique's leadership is very good on sword. Uh, so that's why I'd recommend the two three threats. Hmm. 
Okay, I, I can see that. And just to, to probe that a little bit, uh, I think there's a fourth threat that I think is going to be seen a lot in Brotherhood rosters and who might even be affiliated, possibly. Mm. So you could replace that fourth threat, that two threes, with uh, that particular fourth threat and a two threat, couldn't you? That's another way of building the roster. If you have a, a fourth threat that you love and want to include a lot, you could sub out those two threes for that four we've already talked about and a two just as an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good point. I mean, the, the, the two by threes, I think, offers you the flexibility there um, and maybe some yep. more reliability. I think three is the sweet spot for MCP, but absolutely, you could do a four and a two, no issue at all. Yeah. Okay. Interesting to see that. Uh, let's dive into who you like in those slots then. Yeah. So if you're happy, I was going to give some, um, I suppose, some beginner and advanced character advice um, to look at some mm -hmm. synergies um, as opposed to saying, hey, take this, this, and this character. Does that sort of work for, for you? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of beginner advice, what I'd say to players who are new to the affiliation and are, are focusing on Magneto as your leader is firstly look for characters that have good Magneto leadership synergy. Now, I think of his leadership as a bit of a train that needs a kickstart to begin rolling. And what that, that kickstart needs is a character that can destroy terrain on round one, um, often unsupported. So um, think of someone like Vision who can synthesize as a superpower and then throw a piece of terrain and destroy it, and he doesn't need any outside help. Now, Valkyrie used to be a great character in the old rules, but in the new rules, um, they've cleverly updated her throw to be three power, so she can't do it straight away without some support. But I would look for characters that can do that. So what come to mind there is, we've already mentioned Vision. Um, Juggernaut is fantastic at this, uh, but also Lockjaw is a bit of a cheeky one as well. So that's probably the... Is there any I've missed there, Jacob, who can throw unsupported round one, apart from Magneto uh, as well? Yeah, um, I mean, technically, like, Cable can throw a size one, but I don't think that's doing very much for you. Yeah. Oh, he can yeah. throw a size two, couldn't he? Sorry. Yeah, he's got so much power. Yeah. So he, I guess Cable fits there. Yeah, and so look for characters that's that's not Magneto to do that. And we'll get into why we don't want Magneto to do that um, sometimes, uh, a bit later. But just, so that's my beginner advice. Um, for the advanced advice, um, for characters in those slots... Um, once you've sort of sorted out that synergy piece there, and there might be some others that you, you you know that don't throw terrain round one but can do it round two, et cetera, et cetera. But look for characters that have synergy with your crisis selection. Now, that actually sounds pretty beginner advice, but I'll, I often see a lot of rosters where characters are taken because they're good characters, but they don't synergize with your crisis selection. Um, now, the, the example I want to use again here is Vision because he's an easy example. We've already talked about he's a, he's a good piece to synergize with the leadership, but if your game plan is an attrition game plan with Magneto and you favour the E and C shapes, Vision has a great beam, um, one of the best beams in the game, um, down those E lines uh, to attack multiple characters. Um, he can already do that that throw piece. Um, and he's got his, his um, physical side, which means characters can't push him. So he's a good piece to sort of sit, deal damage, do some throws and not get pushed around on an E shape. So that's what I'd sort of generically say about those character slots. Um, and that was really talking about the four threat there. Um, have you got any other sort of four threat slots you'd like to talk about or general uh, sort of examples? I wanted to pick up on the counterpoint of what you just said. So you yeah. said vision, we, we like vision if you're playing a C or an E shape, great. If you're planning on doing maybe pater flips where you're rolling your physical or your energy defense, however, vision's only got two in those stats. 
So you might want to think, hmm, actually, that's not going to fit. That's kind of a, a, a juxtaposition, a counterpoint to show where maybe this character isn't going to fit so well. Look, I'm not convinced that you want to play pay to flips, but maybe you do because of your power generation off Magneto leadership. Look, that's a fantastic point. And we'll get to that when we talk about the crisis selection. But that's what I was talking about. The advanced advice there is that we can talk about generic synergies with characters in a vacuum, but once we start picking our crisis selections like you've identified, that's when we revisit our characters and go, hey, vision seems good on paper, but I'm going to run three pay to flips. Hmm, maybe I need to revisit this and take someone different. So yeah. it's a really good point because I, I, I do think running three pay to flips is, is quite a legitimate strategy in Brotherhood. Um, anyway, um, should we talk about some three threat options and, and some synergies? Well, I think there's a couple of exciting four threats that uh, I like quite a lot when I'm building a Brotherhood roster, okay. uh, and those being Rogue, who is the one we alluded to earlier, and it's uh, you know it would fit very well in terms of her background uh, for her to be affiliated. So we'll see whether that happens or not. And I think if uh, if she is affiliated, I think she probably becomes maybe you become a you have end up with a, a 15 point core of. Uh, Magneto, Juggernaut, and Rogue. I can see that being a very strong core. So even without that, she's she's a great character. She's one of the, the best four threats for my money. Uh, and she's got a great throw that can throw up to size four terrain. So that seems really good with uh, with the leadership. Look, absolutely. Um, that's that's a great that's a great one. And so generically for some fours, and if we, if we get into that, um, ones to consider that you know um, just synergize with the terrain throw and the Magneto leadership. I think is Venom and Voodoo. Enchantress yeah. and Kingpin. Um, they're probably some four characters that they all each got to do different things, but they're all individually great in their own right. Um, so I think that's pretty good there for all-round characters. If you want to lean into yeah. attrition, um, the one I'll recommend, it's a bit of a left field, but I think Ancient One is a really nice addition to Brotherhood. She doesn't have the synergy of the throws, but she loves receiving Magneto's power, and she offers you a wonderful attrition uh, advantage in that she can teleport herself, as we know, and, and do an attack on a center line, round one. And she also offers the affiliation a mystic attack if you're not running Scarlet Witch. So she's a good one to consider for attrition. Blade also fills a similar role there, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want some control, Enchantress and Medusa are pretty good there. And also, maybe you want a support character. And I think Frederick um, ran Medusa extensively in Season 5 with his Brotherhood. And he used Medusa as a bit of a, a Magneto support tool to, to mm. sort of royal decree around the board. So I think there's some really good options for players to, to pick a four that you really like and fits your style. Yep, I think there's some, some great options there. Mm. Should we move on to threes? Yep, seems good. So we've got two three sl- threat slots available. Um, I, I'm going to use an example of Ghost Spider. Um she offers some good control and some defensive abilities. And some beginner advice here for Ghost Spider is that Magneto leadership enables her to reach two power on round one. So someone else does a throw and gives her a power. Um, she can save her activation till late in the round, then double move onto a secure and use her web line to push someone off the secure and score it. That's a really simple play and really effective to get you a, a one-point advantage or a two-point swing on round one in some cases, especially on those sort of D shapes. Now, some advanced advice for for Ghost Spider is that the leadership enables her lifesaver um, to almost be permanently online. Now, one of Gwen's or Ghost Spider's issues I've found is that she's always power starved unless she gets beaten up and and, um, she's about to KO. Um, So using Magneto's leadership is really helpful for her to have that lifesaver online. Now, you can seek to position her near your vulnerable characters, so someone like Scarlet Witch or potentially even Magneto. Um, to lifesaver them away. And she has an added bonus of synergy with Crisis if you want to favour D-shapes or potentially B-shapes 
her long move is a real asset here. So that's some generic advice for a three threat. Um, have you used her much ghost spider in, in Brotherhood at all, Jacob? Uh, she often is the 11th character. She's the one that gets cut because she's just so useful, but often it's the one that you just can't quite fit in. So oh, I, right. I've ended up not playing her a lot, which is a shame because I think she's great. Yeah, it's funny because I, I put her in first and then try and find yeah. reasons why I shouldn't take her because uh, I think she's great in, in Brotherhood. But um, look, some other ones you could look at there. Um, Lizard, I think, is a fantastic Brotherhood member. Obviously, the leadership will give him power to get his throws online faster. Um, he's that bit of that anchor we spoke about earlier. Uh, Beast is another good one, probably underappreciated, but I think he's got a good home in Brotherhood and can have some really nice synergy on maybe Mutant Madman if you want to take the pay to flips. Lockjaw is another obvious one for people because Lockjaw can teleport Magneto, range three. He can also throw um, uh, round one, turn one, because he can generate all that power uh, unassisted. And he's also got access to last minute save, which can keep one of your, your key characters alive. So there's a few characters to consider there. And, and the old, um, I suppose, Valkyrie is a bit of a mainstay still. She can do control, attrition, and also you know fuel the Magneto powertrain. Um, and the other the outside one there that I think people should consider, uh, and this might get some dual affiliation um, juices going, is Sam Wilson. Um, Sam Wilson is a three, um, is a great standalone character. He offers his airlift um, that can potentially support Magneto by countering some Magneto displacement and airlifting him back into position. He also loves the additional power for his charges, airlifts, and, and also his spender attack is pretty good. So he's a, he's a really good character to consider there. Yeah, I think just a couple more I'd throw into the mix, and this is very much dependent on your playstyle. but if you want to destroy the world, two of the best attrition threes probably are Baron Zemo and Domino, uh, handing out re-rolls and incinerates and, and blowing stuff up, which Domino just casually does sometimes. If you want to just go, I kill stuff, I kill stuff, I kill more stuff, they're great threes that kill stuff really well and help your other people kill stuff. Absolutely. And again, wonderful advice there because we look at these, you know, the four slot, the two threes and any slot in our last sort of uh, four slots in this roster, and you can tailor them to suit what you want to do. And really, I think that tailoring will come down when we talk about crisis selection. What you select in your crisis might lead you to go back to your characters and go, hmm, I remember Jacob said Zemo and, and Domino, and we said maybe E's and C's or attrition. Maybe I look at including those two. So good advice. Hmm. Well, should we move on to talk about Crisis a bit? Were there more characters you wanted to hit on? No, I think that's pretty good. Um, we can do you want to do Crisis first before we do cards? Yeah, I think so because that's going to dictate a lot of like we've we've talked we've we've set this up to to go in now. So let's talk about the different game plans and some options that Brotherhood rosters might have. Wonderful. Okay, so one of the things I really struggled with early in in learning Brotherhood was what Crisis do they uh, excel playing on, and I think this is a really tricky one for for most players. Because I think inherently most players will have a bias towards a play style. Sometimes they'll be aware of it, sometimes they won't be. And they'll pick crises that uh, might not suit their play style, but are good for the affiliation they're playing. And you end up with this sort of, this odd Tetris fit where you're playing in, uh, some characters you like, but you're trying to play them in a style that doesn't function. Um, and you're trying to use crises, uh, crises that don't function. So that's something I struggled with Brotherhood. Um, and I'm like, well, hey, Magneto is a really good big hitter. Do, do we just want to play attrition-focused um, crises um, or not? So 
anyway, that's a bit of a framing to say, hey, if you're new to Brotherhood, uh, don't you know, don't be afraid that you're struggling on the crisis selection. You're not alone. Um, but I think there's generally three ways to go with the secures, and I'll start with the secures because I think they, for my, my mind, sort of dictate the shape and style of the game more so than the extracts in this case for Brotherhood. Um, so the first way you could go with Brotherhood is straight attrition. You know, you can use those big hitters of Scarlet Witch, Magneto, potentially Juggernaut, and focus on the E and C shapes. Um, and this relies heavily on your your big characters and your support characters, like, you know, we spoke about Zemo and Domino, um, to do big damage and survive. Now, I think this strategy is more dice-based and less skill-based because you're just putting them all in the middle and you're rolling dice at each other. And generally speaking, who rolls the best dice might win. So I'll pause there on the first way on attrition and just see if you want to add anything before we get to, I suppose, the other two ways that we could consider. No, I, I think that's good. I, I think you may think that Brotherhood is advantaged in attrition. They've got some some great models for attrition and they're going to make great use of the terrain. But sometimes you get a map where the terrain really doesn't help you out. Um, and a lot of I, what my experience with that style as well is it's very easy to lose the game with a bad uh, Asteroid M by using that incorrectly. And uh, that can then cost you the game. Yeah, good yeah, call. The, the other, yeah, the other one I found that can cost you is that, hey, clumping up on an E is good for you to be able to shoot things or attack things. But uh, conversely, it's also good for your opponent to be able to gang up on your Magneto leader. So I've found that I can yeah. lose Magneto very easily, get him dazed and KO'd much quicker than I want if I roll a handful of bad defense dice. Um, and then you've, you've virtually lost the game once you're six threat down. Because he's actually... He's, he's relatively fragile, which is surprising because he's got, you know, 14 health and access to six defense. He's actually more fragile than that, and he can mm. roll bad dice and just go pop. So that's why I think that E shape and C shape is more dicey. Um, so if you're feeling lucky, have a crack at it. It's a bit of a triple E approach, um, but I, I like it less so than others. I think there's things you probably can do in terms of the tactics cards you select to try and uh, try and help you out there. Uh, if you're headed more down sort of field dressing and sacrifice and some of those more anti-spike uh, cards maybe those maybe those are the way you want to go to try and smooth out your luck a bit look absolutely and then you know, we go back to the support characters we might look at which sounds a bit odd we've just spoke about zemo and, and domino but maybe we sacrifice a support character to be a defensive character let's call it a koye yeah. with a bodyguard or maybe luke cage with heroes for hire um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's the I think that's the attrition. Focus on the E and C shapes and and just go big with Magneto. And that can be quite fun to play and quite not fun to play against. Um, <laughs> you win some, you'll lose some, and it's a bit swingy, but it's a it's a good way to play MCP. Um, let's move on to the second way I think you can approach uh, a Magneto led roster, and I think that is a control roster. So we're leveraging Magneto's leadership to enable our support characters to use their superpowers that can control opponents through displacement. Um, now, personally, this is how I enjoy playing Brotherhood um, because it's a little bit more cagey, it's a little bit more uh, tactical focus, and you can sort of use your precision strikes from Magneto and Asteroid M's when you need a spike attrition to give you some control advantage. Um, but most of the game plan is leveraging your support characters, using their throws and pushes, etc., just to, to get up on points. So that's been my experience with control. Do you want to do you want to sort of add your thoughts there, Jacob? 
Yeah, I think it's probably worth pointing out that Magneto is actually a pretty decent control character. He can, as long as you position him correctly, he can reliably push two people around a, a turn, and there's not that many characters who can do it as reliably as he can. Yeah, great point because it's not damage. It's not damage based, and he's got a wonderful range three, and often you actually might not want to damage people at all to fill up their superpowers and you just want to push them away. And potentially, you know, that's giving them a, a stagger or sometimes a, almost a double stagger. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful bit of control that Magneto can do. And you can control that that range um, if you want range three. Um, the cheeky thing you can do is when you're placing his constructs, you, if you want to push them away and not do damage, you can actually give them cover by placing a construct in front of them. That's quite a fun one. Yeah, great call. Yep, well played. Um, anything else do we need to cover on control? Is it? I mean, is that pretty straightforward, or do we need to sort of talk more about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to maybe just touch on which of your what's your what might be your core that you build around if your your brotherhood characters you're taking if you're planning for a control build. Yeah, good call. Yep. So I think uh, we spoke earlier about Juggernaut being a really good anchor. Um, I think Juggernaut's a bit more of a narrow. Look, I say attrition, but maybe more of a narrow attrition piece. You can still do some good control with him, but having Magneto and Juggernaut is uh, is a lot of points in two characters. Mm. So I think for the primary of the control, I'd be looking back to that that earlier core of Magneto, Mystique, and probably Toad. I mean, eleven point core, and then trying to bring in you know uh, a three and a four or two threes um, that offer some good control. So an example there at seventeen might be Magneto, Mystique, Toad. And let's call it Ghost Spider and Lizard. Now you've got um, Deception there to displace characters with Mystique. You've got Magneto, as you said, Jacob, there for his range three pushes. You've got uh, Ghost Spider for her web lines, and you've also got Lizard for his throw. So that strikes me as a really good control team at seventeen. Um, if you want to scale mm-hmm. it up to eighteen, you know you might replace, say, Ghost Spider with a, a Vision or a Venom or something similar, um, and then away you go from there. Yep. Don't forget Toad's wild push. It's not reliable, but when it happens, it can save you an action or two. Well, you're right. And I think Toad, from memory, is the only two-threat that can displace mm. uh, enemies. Yep, I believe so. Yeah. So, as I said, I, I like this style because it gives you options as a player. You can you can lean into the attrition if you have some good dice or you want to, you know, teleport Magneto into to a place on the board and just remove someone. Um, but in the meantime, you can just keep chipping away at the scoreboard with your control. So that leads us on to our third style that you've suggested. Yeah, so I think the third option, and you alluded to this earlier, is pay-to-flips. So why would we want to look at a pay-to-flip um, secures with Magneto? Well, again, I think we want to leverage his leadership for superior power generation. Now, often um, Magneto's leadership will enable better power generation than your opponents. I mean, obviously, you know, Asgard and, and others might, might disagree, but for most opponents, you'll get better power generation. Um, and this enables you the additional power to, to um, pay to use those flip secures, and you still have power left over to do some superpowers and spenders. So that's why I think um, Magneto-led Brotherhood can be good on pay to flips. And I think as well, the other synergy there is if you want to pivot to Mystique, um, she's actually really good on round one with her leadership ability on extracts and, and pay to flips. So I think that's actually a good option for Brotherhood. Hmm. Just uh, to dig into that mystique, uh, it doesn't work on the pay to flip, but it does work on the extract. So you get kind of that as guardian thing of being able to do two things with one character and getting almost action economy or power economy that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that can also be helpful on, if we call it, say, uh, scrolls or alien ship. 
a, a recur or a, a sort of a, an extract that sits there and you keep trying to flip it until you find it. Um, you know, having Mystique's leadership there is actually quite handy um, if you're trying to mine for that that Cree core or something. Okay, that, that all makes sense. You've kind of got a, a, a menu of options there and you're going to choose the path and maybe refer back to some of our earlier comments about different characters as to which characters then slot in. So we're starting to build a framework here to build the roster in. Yeah. But let's let's turn it around and have a look at extracts. What do you what extracts do you think particularly sing to the Brotherhood playstyle? Sure. Um so extracts, I think for Magneto, I like the center line extracts. Um, I like them being neutral. And I like them being lower scoring and lower numbers. Now, the reason I like them in center line is that I think it opens up Mystique's deception really well. So if you've got a center line extract and your opponent goes for it and they haven't got tech to then be able to move away, Mystique can activate early, deception them into her, maybe do a rapid fire pistol shot, generate some power. And then if you want to get an early attrition lead, you can then asteroid him in either um, or in Magneto and then try and daze that character and take that extract off them. So that's a really uh, easy, simple, and relatively cheeky um, centerline play early on. Now, I like them being neutral. Um, I've spoken about on, on other areas that I think in the new meta, I prefer neutral extracts. Um, so when I say neutral, I mean things that don't offer the priority player an obvious advantage. So if we had a Montesi formula and my opponent's got priority in an Angel or Amazing Spider-Man or some tech, they just grab the center extract and, and run away to safety. I'm now an extract down and a VP down. So I, I don't like those very much. So neutral, um, thinking the pay-to-flip sort of mining ones of scrolls and alien ship, et cetera. Um, and also Hammers is, is, I think, a great neutral extract. Um, lower scoring. Um, lower scoring is, I think, relatively good for the high-damage teams. And I think Brotherhood can be a high-damage team, even though we can play them as control. And the lower numbered extracts, and the reason why we don't want lots of extracts on the table is that we want to enable Asteroid M on our key characters. And if we've only got, say, one or two extracts on the table, in fact, there's number two, but apart from herbs, but if we've only got one extract on the table, um, it's rare that Magneto is going to be carrying it, and therefore you've got Asteroid M online for your biggest hitter all the time. Yep, that makes sense. So um, what for the purposes of building a roster here, what three would you plump for? So for my money, uh, the extracts I like at the moment with Brotherhood are Senators, Hammers, and then Alien Ship. So we've got two of the sort of pay-to-slip um, single extracts there, and we've got Hammers, which is a neutral one. And I think, Jacob, we've spoken about this before. I think Brotherhood are exceptional on Hammers and offer a, an advantage to most on Hammers. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of plays and there's articles out there you can read about things you can do with hammers when you, you've got some power on you. Mm, yep. Um, actually, can we, unless you've got more about extracts, can we circle back to the secures? I just realised we didn't give an example of, I suppose, a, a start for um, people to take on their on their secures. Ah, yeah, let's, let's do that then. Okay, so we spoke about attrition, control and pay to flip. Um, I probably look more like the control style and I like the B and C shapes for Brotherhood. So what I, I like at the moment is Infinity, Intrusions, and then also a Flip Secure. And I think I'd probably take either Sword or Mutant Madman. And I like the B shape because it divides the board usually and you can control your matchups better. So you might want to put Magneto against certain matchups or avoid certain matchups. And having the B shape gives you a little bit of agency there, depending on your opponent. And I also like the C shape. And we spoke about the C shape on, on uh, Extracts. I like it for the same reason on the, on the Bs. And some nice little synergy here on intrusions is one of Magneto's big weaknesses is mobility. 
and the intrusions allows him to teleport across the board and negate his sort of mobility disadvantage. So they're the ones I'd probably look at start with. Infinity intrusions and pick a pay to flip that, that you enjoy and just give that a bit of a go and dip your toe in the pay to flip water. Yeah, just a word on intrusions. Uh, being really careful and, and being mindful of where you're placing your uh, constructs for Magneto because once you get too far away from them, you lose the ability to remove them and you want to pretty much once you got to on the board you want to be losing one every turn so you can place a new one where you want it and still keep up your power generation so just probably towards the center of the board is probably the best advice i can give you there that's a really good call actually and i've lost many games with magneto because i've placed the constructs poorly or forgotten to destroy them before i teleported away um, and i got stuck with Magneto on low power generation and, and couldn't throw his construct. Sorry, not, not low power generation. He ran out of terrain to throw and I couldn't reach my constructs to throw them. So great advice. Grand. Should we circle rounds to tactics cards then? Yep, let's do that. Um, so if you're happy, I'll just go through the core that I think the six tactic cards people should play and just lock them in. Um, sure. And then you know, there's a whole bunch of splash you can you can do. So the first one and probably the most important card for the affiliation and Magneto-led roster is Asteroid M. Um, this is a, a relatively unique card. It's only available at the moment to Brotherhood and Black Order. And it's a wonderful card to get your big hitter into the place on the map you need them, uh, when you need them, to do that decisive blow on your opponent. And I, I, it's very, very rare that you would uh, leave without Asteroid M or play without Asteroid M. And the only times it sort of happens for me is when I'm playing Mystique and no Magneto, um, and I haven't got a big hitter like Scarlet Witch or Juggernaut. So just be a little Minnow Mystique team. That's the only time I'd consider not taking Asteroid M. Yep, makes sense. Uh, Deception, um, a great card. Uh, I don't think we need to speak much about it, but this is a wonderful card and gets even better in the new rule set. Um, so I'd, I'd play that every time I play Mystique. There wouldn't be a reason why I'd play, uh, where I wouldn't play that. Um, the next one would be Climbing Gear. Uh, I think this is almost mandatory with Magneto, almost, not always, but it's pretty close to. Uh, he's very vulnerable to displacement. He often has a lot of power and he wants to be able to do a move somewhere and do some attacks and climbing gear enables that. Uh, next is Indomitable. We just spoke about he's vulnerable to displacement and he has a bunch of power usually. Um, so using Indomitable to prevent displacement is a good thing for Magneto. And then the sort of final two in the, in the six that I think everyone should take, I would look at two initially, two defensive restricted cards. And I'm going to say patch up or med pack. It's normally player preference. At the moment, I like patch up because you've got high health pools in Magneto and Juggernaut, and I think you can get more value there. Um, but med pack is equally viable, and I think field dressing. And the reason for that is that Brotherhood teams led by Magneto generate a wonderful amount of power and can access field dressing quite easily. So they're the six I would look at locking in your roster um, and then looking at the remaining four to sort of splash around. Um, what are your thoughts on those, Jacob? What's your experience with sort of locking some core cards? I, 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 don't, I can't disagree with any of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> Indomitable is going to be uh, really big for them because one of the key ways of dealing with it is to try and control Magneto. So if you've got if you've got this six threat on the board and you're able to, he's only a size two, so nearly everything works on him, apart from when he's paying for his, apart from attacks that push, which you can pay for your defensive tech. But any other kind of tech of moving him around, just, yeah, it can be like a stagger. And sometimes you can waste a whole activation on Magneto on him just double moving. Yeah, good call. So now we've got those core six 
um, I think we look at um, some flavor that's affiliated because Brotherhood have a wonderful selection of affiliated cards, uh, more so than most affiliations. Um, and you can also you can almost get trapped in in so many different ones. And hey, I want to use this. I want to use this. I want to use this. But often you're only bringing one of these cards because you've got this great core we've just spoken about. Um, so often out of these next four we're going to talk about, you're probably only taking one of them. So just bear that in mind as you're trying to fit everything in that it actually probably doesn't matter. Okay, so I think we'll talk about um, magnetic refraction first. And uh, really this is most Magneto players will think differently on this, and I'm really keen to get your thoughts here, Jacob. But I've found that I like it on the E and C shapes. And I think this is a good card on E and C because it leaves your support characters around Magneto clumped up and enabled to be supported um, by the cover that it provides. But I find on the Ds and Bs that uh, it's hard to use and you really get value outside of Magneto's cover. And also um, it's pretty handy if, if you've got priority and less helpful if you don't have it. But um, before I move on to others, do you want to talk about your experience with refraction? Yeah, mine jives with yours very much. Uh, it looks like such a powerful card. And then the more I played it, the more I found I wasn't getting good use out of it. Uh, I totally agree with your thoughts on shape. Um, but I found that even on those C's and C's and E shapes, there's still cards that I would rather take. And so when I was playing Brotherhood, it ended up going going back into the card box. I have to say, it's not one that made my, my roster. Maybe now that we've got 10 slots, maybe it's more viable, but I still think there's probably cards I would rather take over it. And that's weird because it looks like such a good card and it is a really powerful card when you get it working. But what it tends to be is a mitigation or like you said, it's better when you've got priority. It's better uh, when you're on that shape. So you've already got two things you want. You've got um, you've got a shape you want and assuming that you're wanting to play the, the sort of the C's, D's attrition style. Um, sorry, C's E's attrition style, but it's it's your fail scenario. It's I haven't blown up that character that I needed to blow up, and so I need some defense against it, or I haven't been able to do enough damage, and so I it, it's it's banking on failure, and maybe that's uh, a hedge which you want to go down as a more cautious way of doing it. But I think that maybe there are other cards we might talk about which are more versatile and which maybe might do a similar job for you. Yeah, good call. Good closing comments on Refraction. Um, the next one I want to speak about is the two Scarlet Witch cards. Um, I'll start with No More Mutants because I think that is mostly the superior card. And I would use No More Mutants in a defensive role um, when I'm playing Scarlet Witch, which is odd because she's quite an offensive character. But uh, the ability to shut down a superpower for the uh, turn or the activation of your opponent uh, can be devastating and game-changing. So I think this is a wonderful um, a wonderful card to use. And if I'm playing her, I would mostly run this card. Um, the second one I want to speak about for her is Whims of Chaos. I would play this. I like this card less, by the way. But I would play this if you want an offensive-focused Magneto team where you might Asteroid him in Scarlet Witch, play Whims of Chaos to give someone an Incinerate, and then try and Daze or KO them. Um, Jacob, what's your experience with the Scarlet Witch cards? Yeah, uh, Whims of Chaos is incredibly powerful. Uh, it's one of the best cards in the game because you can just say no to something, and anyone who's played Magic knows the power of a counterspell. Um, it, it's really good. You need to get three power, but Magneto doesn't have issues with power generation, and generally, if Scarlet Witch has managed to get off one attack, she's probably got enough power. So it's a great card, and I play it nearly every time I play Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and we'll just clarify that's No More Mutants, not Whims of Chaos. Sorry, yeah, No More Mutants. Yeah. Whims of Chaos, I've never felt it 
was justified. I've tried it a couple of times, and there's been some some kind of cute plays, but I've felt uh, I kind of set myself a um, a bar of how does this help me get a victory point? If I can get one victory point out of each of my five cards, that's five victory points. That's a good chunk of the way to winning the game. And it's it's the route to getting you a victory point is a lot more convoluted and dice dependent uh, for Worms of Chaos than it is for No More Mutants. I agree. Good comments. Um, the next one is Do You Know Who I Am, which is a Juggernaut card. Um, because Juggernaut's relatively new online and, and proxying in person, I haven't used this a lot, but I've played a bit against it. Um, I think it's worth taking in your 10. Um, I don't think it's a lock. Um, and I might be wrong on this and I might evolve my thinking over time, but it's helpful um, for a wonderful sort of long throw character displacement or that sort of clutch terrain throw. But noting Juggernaut on his flip side has a throw anyway, it sometimes could be redundant. And I think the, you know, the the card, the core cards we spoke about, um, there's so many good ones there. So you really probably need a good game plan with do you know who I am? Um, I would probably take it in the 10, probably, but I wouldn't be sad if I didn't. Um, Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think it is a lock. Uh, I think it's a fantastic card. It's the only, I think it's the only way to get a long character throw. And the fact you can use it on terrain or you can use it on characters is amazing. The fact you can use it on Mystique's turn, it doesn't have to be Juggernaut's turn, and therefore they can't use reactive cards like Brace for Impact is amazing. Uh, they can't use defensive tech. Uh, it's just, it's. I, I think it's amazing. Um, so I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you've got the better, the better uh, evaluation of it there. But for me, that would be whenever I'm taking Juggernaut, I'm taking that card. Now, look, that's entirely fair, and it's really that opportunity cost that we're sort of alluding to before, and you've got such great cards, and it's where do you put the value? And I don't think you're wrong. Um, and, and as I said, maybe maybe it'll increase for me over time. The other thing that I do really like about it, though, is that Juggernaut on his flip side can now throw two characters, um, one with the <laughs> power and one with his tactic card. So really strong there. Uh, and maybe, look, maybe it will become a lock for me, um, and I'll need to play more with it, so... I like that advice there, and I'll probably take it to give it some more game time. Mm. Um, the next one I want to speak about is Quicksilver's Can I Borrow That? I think now we've got 10 tactic cards that this is a lock for me in the roster. Now, noting this will be dependent on what asset, sorry, what extracts you're running, and you need to run assets, not civilians, because this won't work on civilians. It'll only work on assets. If we circle back to this, the extracts we spoke about earlier in the game, Senator's Hammers and Alien. Senators is a civilian, so that's useless there. Don't take it. But on Hammers and Alien ship, um, you can steal the the extract. So I think when you're running um, asset-based extracts and you want to put Quicksilver in, um, slot in, can I borrow that and give yourself a bit of a cheeky option of, of extract advantage? Yeah, um, I'm I'm the other way on this. I'm not as hot on this card as, as you are, and that's because you need... It's a lot more corner case than it feels like. You've got to have the right positioning. You've got to have the right amount of power because ideally you want to be able to like steal that extract and then run away to be a, be avoid of reprisals or have enough power to then um, it's not trickster but uh, fast. What's he called? Catch Speed me if you can. Yeah, um, to to get him away. So you need a, a decent amount of power because you've got to do damage. You probably want to use it on his spender as well. So you need some power for that as well. It's just the this 
typically with a tactics card, you're looking at two things. How hard is it to play and how big an effect does it give me? And this gives you a great effect. Uh, again, my, my benchmark of how easy is mm. it to get your VP? Well, this <laughs> really simply it gets your VP and sometimes it gets you two. So sure, but you've got to overcome those hurdles. And so for me, it's not a lock. For me, it's a 50-50. I can see cutting this card, especially because you've got one of your one of the extracts you've chosen it doesn't work with. So for me, if I was if I had 11 cards, it may be that this is the one that goes by the wayside. That's fair. Um, what I would say is maybe give it a run in conjunction with Mystique's Deception. So if you can bring in, say, we talk about the center extracts. Someone might grab a hammer or an alien ship, for example, the Kree Core. Um, if you line up Mystique and, and Quicksilver next to each other, you can Deception the character in, and then um, Quicksilver's got his range three builder. Um, you can just throw one of those at them, and if you get a damage through, you can play this card and you, you've just stolen their extract round one. But I know you've done some dice maths on how, mm. how possible that is. Um, the other part of it, though, is that I think it's a wonderful... Um, puzzle to offer your opponent because they're now they're trying to play around can i borrow that and trying to play around quicksilver and they're giving probably more attention to quicksilver than your other hitters like magneto scarlet witch etc so i think it's its value is is maybe a little bit more subtle in just what it can actually do but how it can affect and impact your opponent's thought process oh that's fair and again i guess it depends on what you're looking for um so i, I can see it either way yeah. All right. So the final flavor affiliated I'd like to talk about is difficult to please. Um, I really <laughs> like this card. Um, this is a situational card, uh, but if you're running pay to flips in your secures, I would recommend putting this in your 10. Um, and I would play this on sword at 14 with Magneto, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. And I would play this at 18 plus if you have a second two threat in your roster, which would be Magneto, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver um, for a core of 14 and then maybe add, you know, Toad in a second two threat or something like that um, because, you know, having those pay-to-flip secures means Quicksilver can interact with them wherever he likes. Even if you own or you already control that pay-to-flip, you can still interact with it. And having Scarlet Witch daze someone um, is often quite trivial. Um, the, the skill in it is trying to get the timing right. But um, I've had great success with this card. Um, as long as you run it in the right scenarios, and that is pay-to-flip secures where you can interact regardless of what's going on. Yep, I, I can see your logic there. Uh, again, I'm not quite as hot on it as you are, but uh, then again, I haven't played the pay-to-flip game with Brotherhood as much as you have, so maybe that's yeah, why. that's fair. So you've got some options there in the affiliated, and as we spoke about earlier, um, you can shape those selections based on your preference. Now, it's, it's, it's actually really good that you and I sort of not disagreed, but we have different viewpoints on the strengths of some cards, and I think that's, that's a good thing, and that enables players the choice to experiment around with them and see what they like and, and then sort of, you know, swap them in and out as they see fit. Um, but let's move on to some flavor unaffiliated choices. And this is a much shorter list because the, the card list is endless and, and players will enjoy different stuff. But the reason why this is also short is we've got a wonderful core of six in my mind. And I think we've got wonderful options in those flavor affiliated. And I think we're taking maybe three, two or three, or maybe even four out of those. So these last couple of cards is, is maybe more specific. Um, the first one I want to start with is Follow Me. Now, Follow Me, I think, is a wonderful attrition-based card and also doubles down as being a wonderful card with Magneto's leadership because often your characters have a lot of power. So if you're running that EC game plan, um, consider Follow Me. Uh, you can activate Magneto, then maybe activate Scarlet Witch straight away and choose your backup plan to, to go on days or KO someone and or retain priority for the next round. 
Um, but look, don't discount it on other shapes. It's just a good Brotherhood card. Um, and I think it's worthy of consideration in the 10. And currently it's in my 10. What's your experience with it? Uh, agreed. It, it's an amazing attrition card. Uh, one of the biggest things is the ability to manipulate priority. That's such a powerful mechanic within the game. And so if you're running a team that really wants to be going first and blowing things up, then I think it's a, it's a show in for that. It kind of feels like the new difficult to get off all you've got and kind of husband and wife combo to me. It's it's pretty good when it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next one I'll talk about is exceptional healing. So we spoke about Sabretooth earlier and saying if you if you love the character and want to run him for thematic reasons or you just like the character and think he's better than, than I give him credit for, then I'd recommend exceptional healing. And there's a note here that it's also uh, it has good synergy with Lizard in your roster because both of them have healing factor. And if you play both of them together, you can choose where you want to play it based on the board state. Yep. Um, and then really, I think you should look at some character-specific cards based on your splash characters we spoke about earlier. So, for example, if you want to take Venom, I would look at Lethal Protector. If you want to take Luke Cage, I would take Heroes for Hire. Um, and I'm sure there's a few others that I, I haven't sort of thought about off the top of my head. Um, but really, you know, whatever your splash characters are, if they come with a strong card, here's when you would consider it. Um, and the final one I want to talk about is Bitter Rivals. Now, I'm probably less hot on this card than most in the competitive scene from what I've sort of heard and read, and I'm not a big fan of this card anyway. But if you want an E and C attrition game plan, I would consider removing one of your two defensive uh, restricted cards. We spoke about Patch-Up, Med Pack, and Field Dressing. Um you know, taking two of those three. If you want the ENC blow up the world game plan that you spoke about, Jacob, I would probably put in bit arrivals there um, and and leverage that card. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I think there's a couple of unaffiliated non-character cards that I'd be thinking about too. Are we going to get onto those? Well, that's that's all I've got, um, and that's kind of my right. short list. But please, I'm keen to hear yeah, your thoughts so on, on what you want to put in. I want to throw in just a few here. Um, we talked about maybe there's another card that can do something similar to Magnetic Refraction but be more versatile, and I think that card is Disarm. Um, because, again, with Mothership, you often have two characters close to each other. They're not short of power, although the power cost isn't high. Uh, and it can be your, I didn't quite kill that thing that I needed to kill. Okay, well, I'll basically take them out of the game by removing two attack dice. So um, I, I think that's one I would be considering in place of Magnetic Refraction as a sort of a one that's has a similar role in terms of a turn of protection. Um, equally, I think you might want to be thinking about matchups and you might be worried about something like the Black Order matchup. I think that's a pretty tricky one for the Brotherhood. Um, and so you might be looking to bring in alongside, maybe you've got Heroes for Hire on Luke Cage. Maybe you want to bring in Sacrifice as well, which saves you having to play a Koye. You can have someone be a, a mini Koye by, by dumping off a really important attack onto them. So that's another one that I would be considering as a matchup specific one. Uh, it's definitely not something you play every game. But then again, uh, if we talked about attrition, you talked about having your guys not die. So either you're taking cards, you're, those defensive cards, another defensive card can be, well, let's dump off that attack that would otherwise KO Magneto before he's activated and put it on to Toad. Who cares about Toad? Yeah, great uh, comments. Like great comments. And I, I, I agree. I think there's some wonderful cards you can play in there to suit your style and, and what you enjoy. And you know, I think Bit of Rivals and actually Disarm are two great examples of of where um, you know different people think about them differently. I am less hot mm. on bitter rivals than others, and I am way less hot on disarm than others. But I've seen them both being devastating. So I think yeah. um, you know putting in that sacrifice and and um, maybe disarm is some really good roster tech 
for those matchups that you alluded to. And especially, yeah. you know, if your game plan is E and C and you run into Black Order, you're probably going to lose, I've got to say. <laughs> um, so, like yeah. you know, those splash characters, you go back to, well, maybe I do bring in Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire and maybe I do bring in Okoye. You know what? Maybe I bring in Sacrifice um, and maybe Disarm and that's my mitigation for that matchup alone. And I've just, I've just sort of tweaked my whole roster around one batch, a bad matchup, which is, you know, probably the way to go competitively, I've got to say, mm. because Black Order is very, very difficult to play with that tech. Yes. Uh, and one final one. Uh, again, another one like with half an eye on the matter. Uh, Marks for Death is great against Web Warriors. And particularly if you like Scarlet Witch, if you're planning on running a lot of Scarlet Witch, stealth can be a real problem. Um, and defensive rerolls can be a real problem. And people running away from you can be a real problem. And this helps with all of those. Yeah, no, great call. And look, I, I think that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on a, a sort of an intro to Brotherhood roster that's led by Magneto. Um, the sort of the, the key sort of takeaways was think about what style you want to play. Do you want attrition? Do you want control? Or do you want to do that sort of pay to flips? And then look at um, look at the character synergy that uh, relates to those styles of play, and look at the crisis synergy that also relates to that style of play, and, and then you know feeds back into the characters. And as we spoke about at the end, you know, how do we tweak our cards outside of our core cards to then mitigate our bad matchups or leverage the style of play that you want to get into or dip your toe into? And it's relatively straightforward from there. Mm. So we do have just a few Christmas uh, questions just to round it out. So uh, what gift has AMG given Brotherhood this year that you're most happy with? Marco Kane, um, as I said, he, he's he's the missing link, and he makes Brotherhood really exciting. And I'm sorely tempted to play them again in season seven. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure I can disagree with you there. Uh, what's on your affiliation Christmas list for the future for Brotherhood? It's got to be Rogue, doesn't it? I mean, they alluded to her on the back of her her, her card box that she's you know X Men and Brotherhood. Um, Brotherhood are really lacking that that good four, and Sabretooth I think is is pretty bad. Um, and if Rogue is affiliated in Brotherhood, they're looking really good. Um, so fingers crossed, um, they need a good four, and and I think she's a great four. Uh, Santa has many elves helping him. Who is your affiliation's unsung hero that you cannot live without, and maybe doesn't get enough credit? Oh, well, can't live without is tough. I think I think the unsung hero is Quicksilver, but you can live without him. Um, but he, okay. he, please, if you're going to try Brotherhood, give him some table time. He's better than he looks on paper. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and have you got any final thoughts to just wrap this up, this Christmas present with a bow? Uh, not really. Um, I wish people luck um, playing Brotherhood. Um, just be patient with yourselves and you know think about the style that you enjoy and, and try and reflect on what characters in Crisis will enable that style to excel. Um, and I think you'll do really well with Brotherhood. They're an enjoyable affiliation to play and they offer lots of trickery and uh, attrition uh, things. It feels like good uh, MCP to play with. Amazing. Thank you, Morgan, so much for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>